your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Those are, in fact, my wonderful social media handles, so if you disagree with anything I say, feel free to yell at me there. However, if you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice so you never miss a brand new hot and fresh episode, or you can also catch up on all of the previous episodes you missed. And you can follow the show on Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's show, we are going to be talking a little bit about Winnipeg's game against the Calgary Flames. And then I thought I'd share some thoughts on a a number of players that have impressed me for Winnipeg and some guys who I feel maybe have a little bit of work to do. First, though, let's talk about the Winnipeg Jets and their game against the Calgary Flames. And this one's a bit of an interesting one. The first period for me wasn't all that impressive. I felt like Winnipeg was struggling a little bit, not exactly uh, struggling in the sense of playing very poor hockey. It's just they were trading a lot of chances, and even though they did find gaps in space, I think a lot of the shots they were taking were from pretty low danger areas. And like Calgary had the same amount of shot attempts, roughly speaking. And I don't think that they were particularly dominant, but a lot of the shot attempts that Calgary got off were actually a lot closer to Winnipeg's net, which is not really what you want to see. If you're trying to defend your low slot area and keep Hellebuck pretty free and clear of dangerous chances, then some of the shifts that the Jets had, especially in the later part of the first period, are are things that you'd want to avoid. So, you know, all in all, I wasn't like, amazingly upset with the period. I just wasn't thrilled either. I will say that the first goal kind of sucked. It was unfortunately one against the Jets, and it kind of came off of a couple of busted defensive reads. I think Connor might have missed his mark, and then Wheeler sort of got caught in no man's land. He took like a shot block or something and went down a bit awkwardly. I thought he actually got injured and wasn't going to be able to continue, but it evidently didn't keep him out. And then somebody, I think Valamaki may have taken a point shot and somebody else deflected it in front of the net. I think it was Mangiapani. Mangiapani and Valamaki are both very talented, of course, so if you give them space to operate, they are going to score. And that tends to be true for a lot of Calgary's top-line players. Even though the Flames, in my opinion, don't play uh, fantastic hockey, especially at even strength and occasionally on the power play, I think they have plenty of firepower and enough uh, to do some serious damage if you leave them just a little bit of a gap. You know, Johnny Goudreau can find himself in great spots. Sometimes Elias Lindholm looks fantastic. I mean, there's a couple of players here who you don't want to give space to, and I think that that's something that the Jets' D have had a lot of trouble with, especially in these sort of scrappier games. The good news is that despite conceding the first goal in the game, it didn't really seem to deter the Jets that much. They kind of got back on the horse and started going to work again. And the second period, I thought, was a much better reflection of what you could expect from this team against the Flames. Winnipeg started creating a lot more offensive zone pressure and started rolling all four lines. And even though, you know, the Wheeler line was struggling a bit, at least it's a little bit better than having both Shifley and Wheeler on the same line. And, you know, sometimes Connor there too. You sort of have to shelter Connor and, and Wheeler together, but of course, Maurice tends to play them, uh, especially that they are kind of in his, I guess, top line, so to speak. So he doesn't really want to separate those guys. Uh, and of course, I think, you know, just dropping their ice time a little bit here and there 
will at least try to limit the amount of times that they're going to get pinned in their defensive zone because Connor can still score. I, I think offensively he's got all of the tools and he had an amazing highlight reel individual goal that was a bit of a risky one where he got aggressive at the Jets blue line and stripped a turnover before it led to a breakaway that he created all on his own. And, you know, obviously if he got caught a little bit, it might have hurt the Jets. But I think this is one of those situations where you sort of accept that the second line is going to have issues defensively and you just hope that they can outscore those blemishes. And in this situation, Connor was able to do that. What I was really impressed by, though, was the depth forwards and guys like Mason Appleton, who had a really great performance. Appleton bagged himself a fantastic goal that almost was going wide of uh, wide of the right post, and somehow Appleton basically shaped his body to get what was, uh, I think, like a deflected rebound. And somehow, I don't even know how Appleton got to it in time, but he managed to capitalize on it like mid-flight, rotate his body, and get a, a nice finish between, I think it was like the five-hole or something. So really nice shift there. I was very impressed with Appleton all night and I thought that it was a very deserved goal. I would also say that the fourth line in the first couple of periods had some really nice shifts. Christian Veselainen and David Gustafson are both very good players, and they're increasingly showing a lot more skill. Trevor Lewis is great. Trevor is one of those players who I think a lot of people were kind of like, yeah, you know, what does he bring at his age? He's like 33 at this stage and probably closer to retirement than being a, a mainline player. But what you actually find with him is that, especially in situations like the PK, He's a very crafty veteran, he's smart, he knows when to offensively push, and he's actually got a pretty decent set of hands. And I think what really defines him most is that he's an extremely durable player. The guy gets buried a lot and initiates a ton of contact. So in a lot of situations, he's getting buried behind the net, but then just gets right back up and continues playing and creating chances for his team. He's also got a bit of a relentless engine, and I think that does help on the PK and in, in defensive situations where he tries to grind and force turnovers, which, you know, the Jets have had issues with sometimes. But of the veteran fourth liners that the Jets have brought in, I would say Trevor's probably one of the most serviceable and best players they've gotten. The offensive fun definitely wasn't limited to the bottom lines, though. The top line had a couple of really great looks, and one of them ended up leading to a nice Mark Shifley goal that was thanks to, like, a, a couple of zone keeps, one from Shifley, one from Neil Pionk, and then just a really great effort near the side of the net that Shifley ended up corralling and scoring. Mark was probably upset, though, that he missed what would have been a very nice breakaway goal set up by Ehlers, and Ehlers had a fantastic shimmy and a, a bit of a, uh, I guess like a feint, a body feint, that caught one of Calgary's defenders inside the defensive zone. And uh, Ehlers just sort of lofted this beautiful sideways pass to Mark, and Mark was in alone, but somehow Markstrom got the right pad out. I just feel like if you're going to get a chance like that, you've got to bury it. All that said, I've just been very impressed with the overall performance, especially in that second period. Like, the first period I thought was a little bit mediocre. The second period, though, a lot better. Winnipeg looked pretty composed. Their offense was clicking, and I feel like the waves of offensive pressure sort of reminded me more of, like, the way that the Jets used to play in, like, 17-18. I think that's the thing, though, is you have to rely on the forwards to really outscore and outpressure, because if you can't get that... Uh, those four lines rolling against your opponents, you're going to find that Winnipeg's defense is going to leave you high and dry. And like Josh Morrissey and a couple of other guys tonight had really rough games. Even Pionk, who played a crucial role on the third goal for the Jets, had a bit of a rough outing around his own net. So you do have to kind of keep that in mind. But as long as your forwards are out creating and dominating play in the other end of the ice, you just sort of hope that everything pans out in the end. Of course, the biggest question was, could Winnipeg keep up the pressure and survive with a two-goal lead? Because we've seen Winnipeg blow leads before, especially in third period. 
experience. You're going to have to wait just a moment to find out what exactly transpired in the final 20 minutes of the game. Before then though, I thought you should know a little bit about why Built Bar might become your go-to protein bar of choice. Those of you who are longtime listeners of this podcast by now know that I'm a big fan of Built Bar. If you've never had one, it's a protein bar that's more like a candy bar with a dark chocolate exterior and a soft chewy interior. It's almost like a chocolate nougat bar, and frankly, it's delicious. Of their 12 original flavors, I highly recommend mint brownie and raspberry. You can't go wrong with any of them, but if you want to try a couple of my personal favorites, those are two to get started with. But if you can't decide, be sure to check out the variety box, which includes all 12 original flavors plus six brand new flavors. Did you hear me right? I said six brand new flavors, and they include caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. I have a hard time picking between which of these is my favorite, but I have to say lemon almond cheesecake might just take the lead a little bit for me. But better than the flavor is the fact that it's so good for you, with most built bars clocking in at around 200 calories or less, between 15 and 19 grams of protein, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Built bars are low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber, so they're perfect for keto diets as well as weight loss and weight maintenance programs. To place your order, go to builtbar.com, and when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive 20% off your next order. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. In just a moment, we're going to finish our recap of Winnipeg's game against the Calgary Flames and talk about some takeaways. Before we get ahead of ourselves, though, I thought you should know a little bit about why Locked on Today needs to be on your daily podcast listening rotation. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked on Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked on Today, breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked on Today wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And now on to some closing thoughts about Winnipeg's eventual victory over the Calgary Flames. After what was a pretty intense second period where the Jets kind of spanked Calgary a little bit, I wasn't really sure how the Jets were going to handle the final period, just because I feel like sometimes Winnipeg lets off the gas, and that's more or less what we saw, but I will say that unlike previous games where the Jets basically stopped playing completely, Winnipeg didn't actually step off the gas pedal entirely. They just really weren't creating as many dangerous opportunities, and generally speaking, it was Calgary that was putting the majority of shot attempts anywhere near net. When you have a 3-1 lead, I don't really care if you get outshot so long as you essentially do so with discouraging them from taking really high danger chances and basically just limiting the damage, especially if you have a couple of goals and you're not too worried about your goaltender uh, essentially letting you down or your defense really struggling. Winnipeg didn't really let the Flames get too many looks in the slot. There were a couple of opportunities here and there where I felt like the Flames were maybe a little bit more dangerous than I would like, but generally speaking, I felt like Hellebuck was wise to most of those shots and most of the jet skaters were able to do their job and clear the puck and essentially just keep things as they were. Um, you know, it was nice to see the Jets get a pretty full 60 minutes out of this team. Coming out of a fairly even first period, a pretty dominant second period, and a who-even-cares third period where the Jets basically just played with the lead and didn't really try to do too much or, or be too crazy. Overall, it felt like a pretty comfortable game. You know, you didn't really see anything that really shocked you in the final 20 or so minutes, and I think Winnipeg did enough just to stay in the lead, keep things as they were, and not really push the limit. As far as, like, closing thoughts are concerned, I will say that I wasn't super thrilled with the number of penalties the Jets took. Blake Wheeler had, like, two or so on the night, which isn't great. Uh, that's, like, Matthew Perot's job, or at least injured Matthew Perot. Perot this year looks really good, by the way, and I have some thoughts about him in a little bit. But as far as the rest of the team is concerned, I thought Appleton was definitely my uh, player of the game tonight. He was fantastic. He was creating great offensive opportunities. He caught a couple of goals, including a nice empty netter. And what's kind of noticeable about Mason is that he's sort of wired like Cop is, and that if he makes a mistake or if he needs to force some kind of a turnover, he immediately tracks back, and he does so very quickly. 
he had one play where Calgary actually got a counter off of a turnover that he committed, which I think it was like a muscled turnover. So it wasn't like he just sort of passed it lazily. I think he just got a bit into some trouble along the opposing blue line. And the counter was there and Calgary got possession inside the offensive zone. But Mason tracked back whoever the puck carrier was. I think it might have been like Mangiapane or something. And oftentimes with like forwards, you see them sort of drop off their coverages while their teammates end up taking the mark instead. But Mason just sort of threw himself at whoever the puck carrier was, pinned him to the wall with the rest of the group, and tried to work that uh, that turnover out of the dog pile. So all in all, I really like his effort. I think that he's got a nice mixture of skill and a couple of other attributes. I'll go into detail why I think he's a, a big difference maker for this team this year. But in tonight's performance, I just thought he had a masterful game. And it's really nice to see him contributing at a much more active level than he's used to over the past couple of seasons. For other top performers, I thought the Shifley line, after a little bit of a slower start, got off to a really good, smooth grind later in the game. They had a couple of really great scoring chances, a nice goal for Shifley, Ehlers should have had an assist, just a quality performance from that top line. Unfortunately, I can't quite say the same for the second line, which struggled a little bit. It was nice to see Kyle Connor strip the puck and get a really nice goal. Uh, that was a very great individual effort, but... We're still kind of seeing them have the same defensive issues that they've had for the better part of like three or four years now, so it's not great. Um, and Wheeler did look a little bit slow. I thought he got nicked up at one point, uh, which was actually on the sequence where Cal Calgary scored its only goal of the night. I thought Wheeler got injured, so I'm not really sure if he's at full strength or if he's still dealing with whatever it was that he suffered. I don't know if it was like a blocked shot or if he fell on something. It didn't look great because he was very slow to get up and it took him a moment to get back into position. Other guys who struggled on the night, I thought Pionk and Stanley had rougher games. Pionk kind of atoned for it just because he's still capable of creating offensive counters, and he had a couple of nice uh, offensive sequences, including a great offensive zone keep and an eventual assist on Shifley's goal. So not too, too terrible from him. He did have some issues around his own net man marking and whatnot, but I think you can kind of forgive him a little bit. Logan Stanley had another rougher game too, just because I think he's not really... Uh, uh, somebody who can improvise under pressure. If you sort of expose him to a lot of different reads and complicated issues, sometimes he maybe bites on those reads a little more than he should, and I think Calgary tried to bait him out a little bit because it was often where he would get pulled to the puck carrier and kind of expose an open lane to the net. Stanley wasn't the only defender to have a bit of an off night, I would say. You know, Josh Morrissey and Nathan Beaulieu also had a couple of sequences that I didn't love. Morrissey, especially on the power play, I thought was just really not at the races. He's had this like thing where he tries to come down the center slot area and slap a one-timer in, but he keeps missing it, and actually it led to a shorthanded chance where Paul Stastny had to take a bit of a restraining penalty, so, you know, the Jets lost their power play almost as quickly as they got it. Morrissey has had a very tough season, and it's been a continuing trend for the past year or so, ever since Truba left, and I, I don't really know how it's going to resolve itself. Without, like, an elite franchise defender on the top pairing, I think Morrissey's going to have a tough going. You know, he's struggling to handle this mantle of this number one role. He's not really the lead guy, and I think all the pressure and stuff is just kind of getting to him. So he really needs somebody to step in and help him out. Maybe it's Vili Heinola, maybe it's somebody else. I don't know how you're going to help Josh get out of this funk that he's been in for a while, but if they can't salvage him and, and get him back on track to at least be like a solid second pairing guy, this contract's going to be a real big issue. All in all, though, on the night, I really can't complain too, too much. I think Winnipeg took care of business, had a very clean game for the most part. Aside from the penalties, not too much to dislike. Solid. Jets, solid. Speaking of solid, in just a moment, we'll talk about some of the players who have been maybe surpassing expectations or just performing at very high levels, as well as some players that I'd like to see improvement from as we get deeper into the season. 
Before we get there, though, I did want to tell you a little bit about why BetOnline.ag needs to be your premier online betting site of choice. If you're listening to this podcast, then there's a pretty good chance that you're a hardcore, diehard Winnipeg Jets fan, but you might also really enjoy NFL action, and maybe you're super excited about the Super Bowl, which is coming up this weekend. Whether you think the reigning champs of Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes can defeat Tom Brady's experience and the upstart young Buccaneers, there's only one name you should trust to get your online betting in to predict the Lombardi Trophy winner, and that's BetOnline. BetOnline has all of the best sports action you could possibly want, including straight bets, parlays, money lines, and so much more for all of your favorite leagues. Whether you're looking to speculate on college football, NFL, hockey, German, Spanish, and English football, and so much more, BetOnline is your one-stop shop for all your online betting needs. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action today. Go to betonline.ag to create your free account, and when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for the 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out with some thoughts on players that through the first 10 or 11 games I've been impressed with and some guys who I thought maybe need to do a little bit more. Let's get the rough stuff out of the way first because I always like closing out on a nicer note. I have guys who I think probably have some work to do. I think Blake Wheeler is going to have to find the right balance between being a really important player for this team and also being willing to take a little bit less ice time. He's doing so right now, and I actually think it is going to be, in the long run, a lot better for the squad, and I know that he wants to be an important contributor. He's wearing the captaincy, and I'm sure he thinks, you know, considering how much he's being paid right now, he probably wants to be this lead point man for the team. It's just that it's hard for him to keep up, and I kind of worry that he's been dealing with some lingering injuries aside from just being a little bit on the slower side from age. There's definitely a role for Blake on this team, and I don't think he should be cut out completely. I just don't think he can also play like 20 minutes a night. So the recent ice time splits have looked a lot more favorable, I would say, and splitting him and Shifley apart has basically put Mark back on the path to being a really good number one center. On the list of players who have struggled, I would also say that uh, Josh Morrissey is just really odd. I don't know what's happened to him. Ever since Truba left, he's just never been the same. And like, I know Truba activated offensively a lot, which probably meant Morrissey sort of hung back just a little bit and was more of like a safety valve number two, but it's it's kind of crazy to see him struggle with a lot of really basic reads and things that he never had issues before with. So I don't know if Morrissey is ever going to be anywhere near where he was just a couple of seasons ago, but hopefully if somebody like Heinola or another high-end franchise D comes in and, and steps into that uh, number one role, Morrissey finally gets the relief he's looking for. I think if you take a lot of that pressure and, and load off of him, he'll finally look a little more like what we expect. It's just super weird to see him struggle this much, especially after he had such great junior seasons and a couple of really great seasons with the Jets. I don't know if it's ever going to be, you know, like he was before and where he was really performing at a high level for this team, but at the bare minimum, he's got to, you know, start putting up better performances and at least being up to his contract. Not because, like, I... I think of him as like some bad player but mostly because I think the team just needs him to be a really big guy on this team the Jets lean heavily on Josh and I think it's it's very difficult for him right now not having the kind of top level support on that first pairing that he probably needs there are some other players who have probably struggled a little bit but I would say that for the most part these are guys that we sort of expect not to have the best seasons Nathan Bolu's probably getting a few too many minutes he I think led even strength ice time for the Jets again tonight which is not really ideal that's less on him and more on the coaching staff, so I'm going to cut him a little bit of slack here. But that's enough of me harshing on stuff. Let's talk about the positives. Nikolai Ehlers continues to be dominant. Uh, I think we all expected him to have a really big coming out party now that he is 
one of the lead top six forwards. And of course, Ehlers has always been good. Now he's just, I don't know, he's just doing everything that he wants to and really imposing his will. He's great at scoring. He's great at setting up uh, and passing to his teammates. He's great at skating. He's great at creating space. I mean, there's just so much that he does that it's actually quite noticeable when he has an off night. You know, suddenly the team starts to really stutter and not flow as smoothly as it used to, which shows just how crucial he is to everything Winnipeg does. Also on the up and up are Mason Appleton and Matthew Perot. Both of these guys have been great in their roles. Perot looks refreshed, even though, you know, he's had an injury plague career over the past couple of seasons. I thought his career might be seeing its twilight years and that he wasn't going to be able to be as impactful as he used to be. And even though he's not quite at, like, top line level, he's still so good. And now he looks a lot more like what we expect from this guy who, for the longest time, has been a secret weapon for this Jet squad. Appleton is right there with him. You know, the younger player is very good. He's showing some Andrew Kopp-like defensive tendencies, but I honestly really like his offensive attacking instincts. I think he's got really soft hands. He understands space very well. He gets himself into dangerous attacking positions near the net. Yet again, another gem for the Jets' bottom six, and I think it's really important that Winnipeg has four lines that they can roll with roughly even, you know, ice time distribution. They don't do it so much with a fourth line. They definitely roll, like, the top three lines, and the, the bottom line doesn't really get that much ice time. But the third line definitely spells the second line, which is probably a, a very important thing for what Winnipeg needs to do this year. All in all, I'm just really enjoying the depth forwards. Even guys like Trevor Lewis have put on a great show. I'm happy with David Gustafson. Christian Veselainen looks great. You know, Veselainen and Gustafson in general have been very sharp in recent games. Tonight was probably their best in forever. So props to them, and let's hope they keep it up. I'm sure there are more season top performers, but I won't spill all of them tonight. We'll have plenty of analysis over the rest of the season, so stay tuned to hear about who is uh, keeping up their end of the bargain, so to speak. That's going to wrap up tonight's episode, though. Before you log off, be sure to check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Get the upper hand in your fantasy league with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Fantasy expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long Dynasty and DFS leagues, breaking down all the stats and information to keep you ahead of the competition. Subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Hockey on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, and as always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!